one of our key core values at Mammoth is that we believe in when, not if. For us, it's not a question of if this could be better. It was when can this be better? And so for us, taking this subscription process and digitizing it in a way that was smooth, we could get through KYC AML, we could get through investor accreditation, we could fully fund the entire investment right away so that while you have someone's attention, they can take action and and be done with it was so paramount into the success of what we were doing. And I think every advisory firm deserves that same experience. Welcome to Alternative Universe. This is a show for financial advisors, alternative fund managers, and those who want to navigate the diverse landscape of alternative investments and explore opportunities that lie beyond the conventional. I'm really excited to have our very own fearless leader, Kim Mackerel, join us here today. As the CEO of Mammoth, Kim is deeply involved in the alternative universe and is undoubtedly aware of the hurdles that advisors face when trying to help their clients achieve a larger allocation to alternatives. Kim, thank you so much for making the time and joining us here today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Steve. We get to see each other all the time in Slack and over Zoom. So it's nice to be with you here in this officially recorded way so that we can document this talk today. Exactly, exactly. We get to spend all the time in Slack, but uh, now we get to let the world into our little Universe, the alternative universe, right? Welcome. Unintended. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kim. So, um, you know, before we get into Mammoth and kind of what brought you here, let's talk a little bit about your origin story. I mean, a lot has happened before we got here to Mammoth. And I think that led both of us together to work on this project. But I'd love to hear and and have you share with our audience your origin story. Yeah, happy to. So my backstory, I started off really in the nonprofit world, just trying to figure out how to get eyes on nonprofits and how to communicate really well about the mission and vision of nonprofits. So I spent a lot of time just crafting language and visuals for people who had to motivate teams based on desire and an interlocus of control that has nothing to do with dollars or any kind of financial compensation. So I feel like I cut my teeth in a pretty difficult marketing sphere where we were trying to figure out how to, how to motivate people based on what they believe in and what they care about. And I was building websites for people and doing marketing campaigns for them when my husband was like, Hey, could you do a, like a little website for this advisory firm because they're breaking away from their wirehouse and. They just need a really quick solution. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm definitely willing to help somebody that's a friend of yours. They're a friend of mine. And then pretty quickly, he was like, here are eight others that also need the same thing. And that was a great experience for me. And um, he was helping me as well. My dad, who had been in the Air Force for 26 years, had retired and was working, I think, for Northrop Grumman at the time. And it would be like, dad, can you write some code for me? And he'd be like, yeah, sure. So we would sit at the kitchen table when my little ones were sleeping and write code and work on visuals and copy and all sorts of fun stuff. And I did that for a number of years. And then- I'm laughing because 
Cause Kim, you're one of those that, um, this makes perfect sense why you're the CEO of a startup is because, <laughs> you know, when your little ones were sleeping, you were around the table with your family writing code, trying to solve problems. <laughs> is that not Love what it. most people are doing in the evenings? <laughs> <laughs> It made total sense to me. Uh, Yeah, we we aren't really a board game family, but we're more of a like do a new business kind of family in the evening. So yeah, that's what we were doing. And every nap time and every early bedtime, it helped that they were really little and they were going to bed at like 6 p.m. So we had lots of time to work (laughs) on stuff. But yeah, those those were fun, really early days of being an entrepreneur and... I grew up a military kid, so I was the exact opposite of an entrepreneur where like everything you're doing is literally prescribed from a congressional level and you're going to be at a certain place at a certain time and follow all of these rules. And it was new to me, but I loved it. I loved being able to really impact people's businesses in major ways really quickly just by helping them get clear about what they were doing about how they were talking about it, how they were thinking about it, and finding ways for them to achieve what they wanted to achieve with my help. So that was super fun. And gradually over time, the number of clients I was serving really began to grow. And my husband, Judd Mackerel, had been at Orion for a number of years and was ready to jump from there. And we had a lot of clients who we loved on the marketing side of my business. And he said, yeah, let's do this together. And thankfully, Orion, they didn't go anywhere. They've always been a great friend to us. And they became a client too of our marketing firm then called Mineral. And we grew that actually not around the kitchen table, but out of the basement of a house that we had until the HOA yelled at us about the number of cars parked in our driveway. And (laughs) then we found a space and had 12 people working there and just had a really great time not just doing websites, but also building digital products for people, model marketplaces and onboarding tools and a bunch of different digital solutions for people who were tired of dealing with bad technology, which is a tale as old as time, if you will, in the advisory space, maybe in every space, but we we know the advisory space really well and just people frustrated and, and the idea that we could come and help at least initially, we were building front end and then grew that to full solutions. And eventually that firm sold uh, to a national RIA and Jen and I pulled it in there for a little bit. And I popped out of there during the pandemic when I had four kids schooling from home on Zoom, one of whom was in kindergarten at the time. Oh, man. Yeah. And he was... Uh, There was a moment where I realized it was not working. I was on a conference call on our main floor. Judd was on a conference call in the basement and the kids were schooling upstairs on on the second floor. And I just heard tons of screaming, just like so much screaming that it didn't really make sense. So I went running up the stairs and discovered the kindergartner shirtless, a boy, thankfully, but shirtless in his room, the temperature really warm in there, and an entire classroom of kids screaming. And he had been showing our new puppy off, our pandemic puppy off for show and tell, and had dropped him behind the bed. The dog was stuck under his bed. He had like drawers, you know? So it was like in this weird little section And he was trying to like move the bed. The whole class is screaming because the dog has disappeared. 
and his teacher is like really angry and just like, Simeon Mackerel, turn off your camera and your microphone right now. I was just like, oh, this is, this is kind of the bottom of, of the barrel in terms of educational moments in our household. So <laughs> it was a breaking point for me as a mom and someone who cares about education where I was like, I don't think it's going to work for us to do it this way. So I wound up hopping out and then immediately had people contacting me like, hey, what are you doing once your kids are asleep? I need help with some stuff. So I've been working in wealth management since I had little teeny kiddos. And my oldest is just got his graduation date uh, sent to us yesterday. So we've been Yay. we've been doing this for a long time. And it feels like another child in our home just to be having uh, great relationships with people in the industry and a career that is now uh, full grown feels really fun too. So that's wealth, my wealth management journey and how I wound up here uh, getting to work with you. I remember I being at Mineral. I don't know if you remember this time, Steve, but I think we'd been introduced a few times before, but we sat next to each other during a market council many moons ago now. I have okay. no idea what year this is, like 2016 or something, maybe. Who knows yeah. now? And I just remember being like, yeah, this guy is so chill and cool. And you had fun socks on. And I was like, this is the guy <laughs> I'm going to talk to and like, you know, shoot stuff off of as we sit through this presentation. And I don't remember the presentation. I just remember you and I bantering during a presentation and kind of being a little distracting and thinking like, this is a fun guy. I want to work with him sometime and I'm happy to get to do that now. I love it. I love it. And I think that honestly, Kim, uh, I do remember that. I remember <laughs> meeting you and I remember just being so, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of Judd's. When I realized that y'all were a unit working on solving these business problems together, it was just like, I remember, I think telling you and Judd, we got to work on something together someday. Yeah. And um, I hired Mineral twice. Yes. Thank you. So. The first startup, um, <laughs> you guys were helping us with SEO, creating blog blog content. Yep. And then the second did a whole marketing plan for us. It was great. Look at that guy. <laughs> I'm currently recording a podcast, sir. <laughs> you lurker. What a lurker. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do. I remember it and uh, I love it. And I think that we have an awesome cohort. And honestly, like the whole wealth management industry has really... I think matured and along with the maturity of the wealth management industry, so have the need, the necessity for the tools that we use to operate our businesses. Even Judd's experience at Orion. I mean, think of what companies like Orion have done when they started as kind of this nuanced back office necessity of portfolio accounting and has turned into this nucleus operating system that wealth management firms are used to be the number one decision was custody. I'm going to break away or I'm going to build my wealth management business and I need to pick a custodian. And now it seems to be the portfolio accounting system, right? Yeah. So we have matured and grown a lot as an industry. And I think even at Mineral, you all shed light on this for me, which is that all of these different tools that are now available to me to run my business, I need help. I need help connecting them. I need help creating consistency as an experience. And that was one of the things that drew me to working with, with y'all at Mineral was how do I help improve the experience for not just the end investor, but also for the advisor that's expected to use this and grow and run their business. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think there's this 
general idea of client service being the end all and be all like the pinnacle of your firm being mature is a bunch of really satisfied, happy clients. I think it's that's not far enough. Like we have to be thinking about advisor experience too. And the fact that if you feel like a duck on the water every day with like just paddling as fast as you possibly can, and it looks smooth to your clients, you're going to get so tired. As a person working in that sort of environment, you don't want to keep it up. And I do think whatever has happened over the last three years in terms of how people work, that we don't have the bandwidth to keep paddling the way we used to, and that people really just have grown very weary of difficult work every single day and not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. We owe that to the people that we're working with to find better ways for them to work and to make their lives smoother while they serve their clients. It should be, I think it is a high priority for the very best firms that are out there and for the very best technology firms too. That is the goal is to make everyone all the way up and down the value stack of advice really enjoy the process. That's the pinnacle of great work and happy work is happy advisors, happy team members, happy clients. I love that. So as as you grew up in wealth management, how did the alternative universe these kind of off the off the beaten path investments enter into that? And how did you get involved there? Like what made that pivot happen? As an individual, the first time that I was in, you know, investing in something that was not publicly traded. I had no idea what I was doing. My financial advisor was not a part of it. I was making those decisions totally on my own, signing paperwork that I barely read, you know, just trying to understand what was going on and not not fully comprehending everything that was delivered to me, but knowing that I wanted to be an investor and so just like, okay, this is what this is what I have to do to be involved there. But not bringing it to my advisor, not doing the the thing that I was preaching to people in blog posts or in conversations like, yes, the advisor should be in the center of every financial decision their clients are making, but not inviting my own advisor into that process with me. And I knew as I was doing it that I wished I could have a different experience when a friend reached out to me after... Uh, the pandemic was full blown and everyone was trying to figure out what was going on and starting to calm down when vaccines were becoming available. But when healthcare was really central to everyone's life, a financial advisor got in touch with me and said, hey, I have the opportunity to take an SPV that my firm created with me and spin it up into a fund one. I've got a bunch of of great docs, neurosurgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons who are just getting tons of really good deal flow and they know what they're doing. And I'm interested in doing a fund one. I think I'm ready and I need help with figuring out the technology portion of how I onboard people smoothly. And I'm wondering if you're interested in doing an onboarding tool and an investor portal to make that happen. 
And I jumped at the chance because I'd already lived through the experience of being a client where everything's coming to me in a paper stack and it's big and I don't really know what I'm doing. And I hated the process. And I thought, oh, I've, I've lived this before. I know it kind of stinks. And I'd love to make this better for other people. But also because it was a healthcare fund for me, that was especially exciting in the middle of the place where the world was a little bit shaky and feeling like, man, we've really got to focus on healthcare innovation. I felt like that was a place that I wanted to really spend a bunch of time too. So it was super fun for me to jump in and kind of understand that in particular world of investing in the healthcare sector, but then also to do something that I already knew and loved, which was build great technology that financial advisors could use well and to learn the fund management space so that it was uh, relevant to them too. That's how I wound up playing around in alts and having a great time doing it. Love it. I love I love the idea of playing around in alts because what we found, what I found and kind of joining forces with you is just how how broken this process can feel for people. And you said something that I think is key, which is wishing that you could have a different experience. And I think far too often these investments are made, these decisions are made outside of the relationship with your financial advisor. And quite often financial advisors just kind of catch whatever decisions were made. And then they're kind of expected to make sense of it all, or at least organize it. They're kind of just thrown these deals, right? Yeah. And maybe the deal's already done, oh, uh, yeah. but they're it's thrown to them as, hey, oh yeah, I have this other thing. Yeah. And um, now it's on that financial advisor to present that on a regular basis and kind that's, of stay informed and keep you informed on changes. Yeah. That's definitely that's what difficult. I did to my own advisor. I was like, hey, right. by the way, my net worth statement isn't really accurate anymore. He's like, uh, what's going on? And then I told him like, oh yeah, I also have this investment. So here's what this looks like. Here's the, I, you know, sent him a PDF. Like here's this thing I signed. And he, he's just kind of like, what? And he doesn't have any way, you know, his tools were not nimble enough to be able to show this in any sort of report annually. So he was manually, you know, creating the separate little report in PowerPoint for me to be like, okay, here's, here's the screenshot out of your client portal. And then here's me like adding in this line item for your alternatives, which thank you, lovely, but also what a problem for him and his team, you know, that I became like, I'm just giving him weird work that is not scalable. I'm positive no one else except Judd, who also was a part of that investment in his entire firm. Nobody else is invested in this. Like we're a weird one-off doing weird separate things that he could not scale. His firm could not scale. There was no way for them to be able to report on this easily, to validate it easily. It was just a fresh problem for him to deal with. And I think that's pretty typical as your clients start sort of maturing in their financial life, that they reach a stage where the things they're doing become significant for them. And you know, you need to be able to service them around these significant investments they're doing, but also really broken in terms of process for your back office. So you kind of jumped into this from the fund creation side. Which, you know, is difficult enough. I mean, there's so many different solutions out there and none of them quite line up. And so you guys jumped in really from how do we create a fund? 
and bring new investors in. But then, then on the other side of it, you're an investor and you have this like kind of bird in your ear that's saying, Hey, what about your financial advisor? Yeah, that's exactly right. We knew that we wanted to own the experience. Every business that I have ever been a part of, the experience truly has become, you know, the central drumbeat of the firm. If you cannot control and own your own experience, then you are essentially selling something that belongs to someone else. So for us, that was really paramount for us to nail and to get it right um, as quickly as possible. So for us, creating a user interface where investors would be able to go from reviewing the data room, jumping all the way through to fully funding with an ACH, their investment in under five minutes was an important goal to hit so that people would be able to navigate that simply and without any FedExing at all, <laughs> which is uh, something that I did not realize having worked uh, with a broker dealer who was doing just so many FedEx envelopes. I really couldn't believe that, you know, in 2022 and 2021, that people were sending around paper documents as a valid way of signing up for some of the most significant investments of their lives. It's always shocking to see what we're willing to put up with if we haven't thought of a better way. One of our key core values at Mammoth is that we believe in when, not if. And for us, it's not a question of if this could be better. It was when can this be better? And so for us, taking this subscription process and digitizing it in a way that was smooth, we could get through KYC AML, we could get through investor accreditation, we could fully fund the entire investment right away so that while you have someone's attention, they can take action and, and be done with it was so paramount into the success of what we were doing. And I think every advisory firm deserves that same experience. That's something that fund managers and advisors alike should be demanding from their software solutions and always looking to enhance whenever they're thinking, am I going to add a new piece of something into my tech stack? How does this enhance my control and my ability to make the experience great for my investors? So I really have embraced that idea that people should keep their brand central to everything that they're doing, which is why all of our solutions at Mammoth Technology are fully brandable to the fund manager or the financial advisor so that you can make your name known and provide seamless, streamlined experiences for your clients. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that it was a big turning point for our whole industry when this idea of having a, a white branded portal um, where now your client comes to your website rather than going to a custodian's website to retrieve information is like a, that's a big step that our industry took. And that hasn't existed in the alternatives world. I mean, it's, it's literally so broken that it's not even a custodian. You have to go to each individual, either fund administrator or sometimes directly to the GP to get information on the deal that you have allocated to. It's a, it's a very fragmented space when it, when you compare it today to a publicly traded experience. And so to your point, I think providing a platform for a wealth management firm to take ownership of and control that experience is 
an awesome opportunity, I think, and another turning point for our industry to start to weave alternatives into the same experience that they've already been able to provide for the public, yeah. publicly traded assets they manage. Yeah, that's totally right. I think it's interesting that the private investing world has been sort of a, a lower service tier in terms of people trying to solve for the space because it's difficult and because it takes more effort on the part of those who are providing solutions. And I still think it's a worthy cause. Three years in, I have loved solving these issues and really partnering with firms who are interested in doing that too. One of the things that is special, I think, about Mammoth Technology is that we are not just looking to make our own portal better or bigger in your client's eyes, but if you just need the data and you want it to be put into wherever their eyes are already going, we're happy to help you enhance that experience. And I think if you already have something you're proud of and something you're loving and workflows that make sense for you and your firm, we aren't holding that tightly and forcing you into uh, what we're doing. But we are saying like, hey, is your data clean? Are you checking this? Are you making sure it's right? We're happy to help you make sure that all of those things are accurate and it's flowing through to the portal of your choosing so that ex the experience is right because that's what's key is your brand and your experience. If you don't have something you're happy with, we're happy to provide you with the technology to do it. And if you have something you are happy with, we're happy to help you get the data in. So both of those things, I think, at least for the firms that we're serving have been, you know, it hits the right on the, with all the right cylinders. Now I'm talking about an engine. I don't even know how engines work. You know that, <laughs> Steve. Cylinders and engines. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Sometimes when those metaphors just start to stack up, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just a small mechanical engineering uh, metaphor that I just have no business using whatsoever. My daughter said something to my brother and he goes, an engine runs on gasoline, a motor is electric. <laughs> I'm like, okay. okay. That's news to me. I feel like I should write it down. Like, I'll take that note. I, I actually think I messed it up because an engine can run on diesel, <laughs> I guess. That's not gasoline. Anyway. We'll have to fact check this. Who's your fact checker for this podcast? <laughs> right. Compliance and fact checking. All right, let's make sure we <laughs> fact check that and add it to the yes. show notes. So we've been talking a little bit about, you know, the differences. Obviously, I think there's operational differences in private investments and how that happens, not just from an investor standpoint, but when the financial advisor is involved, that's a big lift for their team. Mm -hmm. What are some of the problems that you've identified with? I guess or hurdles, maybe is a better way to put it, because I don't want to call it a problem. It's just a hurdle that makes it harder for a financial advisor to include that into the, the way that they run their business today? Yeah, it's really, there are operational hurdles all throughout the process that have to be accounted for. So the initial process of getting someone through a subscription document can be really difficult if you do not have any kind of form solution inside of your firm. Just with a subscription document, you have so many pieces that are going to be disparate data that you're trying to dig up. And if you're trying to pre-populate those forms for your clients so that they're really just getting something they have to review and sign, that can take a lot of time to process as you're pulling up 
various systems, whether that's your portfolio accounting software, your CRM, your planning software, trying to make sure that you understand, you know, what percentage of your client's current portfolio is already in alts. You need to know that if you're going to fill out a suitability questionnaire for them to make sure that they qualify. That alone might take you three systems to find the answer to. And that's frustrating and time-consuming. The process then of holding all of that information, making sure that you have archived all of that paperwork, not just what they have currently received, but then you're going to want to get their K-1s if you're helping them with any kind of tax prep, you know, making sure that all of the details are lined up for them and ready to go so that when they are ready to actually do their taxes, probably in September, not in April, if they're investing in venture capital, for sure, there's a, a high likelihood that you're going to be telling them, hey, talk with your tax person and make sure that they are filing an extension. You know, Just the education piece around that requires a lot more legwork than a publicly traded investment. So making sure that you are properly communicating and that your staff understands the education around it when it comes to taxes alone. But then also, if you're the one who's suggesting it to the client, then you've got to have all of your diligence lined up as well. And you've got to be able to, upon audit, produce why you thought this was actually suitable for your client. And finding that information, making sure you've archived it appropriately, is something that you want to make sure you're getting right in the moment, not something you're trying to retro down, down the line. So the process of diligence, of client paperwork, holding K-1s. And then, of course, the fun part happens where they start taking distributions and you've got capital calls that are, are outstanding, distributions that are coming in, and you're trying to you know, make sure you've got cash ready to go for when that's capital's called and that they're you know, properly moving through all their distributions through to the right places. And for you as an advisor to be able to make excellent uh, recommendations to them about where those distribution dollars are going. Are they reinvesting into the exact same thing? Are they moving that, that into a different vehicle? Making sure that you are able to capture that data and use it in the appropriate places inside of the other tools that you have really matters. So revealing those data points inside of your API from Mammoth Technology is going to be really beneficial if you want to be able to capture that data for planning purposes down the road. That's something that we feel advisors think of as sort of table stakes, but know that the process of getting there is actually a lot harder. And your, your clients probably think you can do that already. Most clients think like, oh, if I tell you I have this money, then you can just put it in there. But keeping up to date on it, you know, if, if you've got REITs and this is a, you know, a monthly situation that's happening where you're taking these distributions and then reallocating them across the client's portfolio, you need to be able to communicate really clearly with that client. You want to make sure all the data is right and that they are seeing correct information all the way across the board. So there are plenty of places where financial advisors need assistance in this process, and they are generally receiving it in unhelpful ways from most sources. You get a little piece here and a little piece there, or you know, you you want to change your 
clients allocation. And so you go looking for something because the client's demanding something outside of the the public market. Like, hey, what am I coming to you for? Like, I can get all of the same stuff if I just go looking myself online. Like, this is, you're not doing anything special for me. And you're like, that's accurate. And also I want their returns to be in line with where they're at. Thinking through, you know, you open up a huge, really a, a Walmart, a Costco experience where you're just like, look at all of these options that are sitting in front of me without any way of diligencing them, without really being able to get into the nitty gritty of whether or not this works inside of your client portfolio. We think you should have a centralized place to go and manage all of your alt solutions so that you can keep all of this in one location, in one set of workflows, and be able to have a launching pad for the rest of your alternative decision-making process as a firm. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and that's like, we've unpacked a lot here, but I mean, just I think having a something you said that I think rings really true. And for financial advisors and fund managers that might be listening, I think the idea that data to go back to our our metaphor here, but data is the fuel, right? That's powering this engine Mm -hmm. of an advisory practice. And if I'm a fund manager and I make it difficult for my clients or my centers of influence who could be financial advisors who are a great opportunity to introduce new capital to my fund, if I make it difficult for them to get that data Mm -hmm. and report on it accurately and have confidence, I'm going to miss out on that flow. So it can start all the way at the fund formation. And we've worked with a lot of RIAs at Mammoth to help them create funds that are white labeled, that they operate within their business, or use our platform to build a catalog and have access to the funds that they choose. And it's it's not always just private equity or REITs, right? They can blend it all and they can really control that that experience to your point earlier. But I yeah. think the point that we'll make here is that Mammoth believes that being able to provide you the data in a consistent way so that you can use it where you need it to provide the best experience to your client is at the core of that. That's the foundation. That's very true. Fund managers and financial advisors have an opportunity to work really well together or to be afraid of each other. And I think generally in the past, there's been a lot of hesitancy and fear for a lot of reasons on both sides. And what we see as the future is an integrated path for these two different centers of influence in clients' lives and investors' lives to work together to build investments into stuff that matters most to those investors. And we are really hopeful about how fund managers and financial advisors can work together, not just because it's good for them and their firms, or even just because it's good for the investor, but because we think that the vast majority of innovation is happening inside of these private companies right now. And because so many firms are not going public the way they used to, we have a lot of cash that is sitting over on the other side that needs to get deployed to those companies so that they can continue down the path of innovation. This is why healthcare was so important to me in 2021. It was important to everyone. Obviously, it will always be important to all of us that we have people who are thinking about how to solve the problems at a global scale when it comes to 
health needs or when it comes to housing or when it comes to manufacturing. There are people who are solving problems right now that are going to make a lot of difference in my life one day when I need a new hip or when you need a new heart valve or whatever that might be. The ability to be able to impact that and to see the story is much more attainable in the private sphere. And that's very exciting for investors. When you can get them excited as a, as a fund manager or as a financial advisor, you are helping them to understand not just that they're building their own wealth, but that is legacy making in a way that a lot of people don't tend to think about it. You hear legacy planning and you think, oh, we're talking about estates and wills and trusts. But the truth is that what we're doing right now, the companies that we're giving money to right now to be able to be innovative, to come up with new ideas, to change the way things have always been done into something that's better and enhanced, that is a legacy that's being built right now by investors around the globe. And the opportunity to bring your clients in as a financial advisor and help them understand the impact that really matters. And we've been talking about ESG and impact investing for a long time to the point where I think people are tired of hearing about it because there's a lot of not distrust, but just sort of a general idea like, oh, I'm sure this is sort of being used for what they say, but I bet they're, you know, to get the best returns, somebody's going to put stuff in here that doesn't, my clients actually don't care about or don't want to be invested in. And that conversation is you know, much more narrow in the private investing world because you're actually seeing what, you know, in, in your investor update, you're going to get information about what they're doing with those dollars. You're just a little bit closer to it and a little bit more involved in what's happening. Obviously, there are plenty of caveats here around what people are investing in, but the story that you get inside of private investing is one of greater impact and legacy building that I think advisors should be looking for and recognizing when the opportunity is great and matches up with potential investors. So, right, right, and and you know something that I've learned that I'll just kind of double down on what you said earlier, but the the size as a total percentage of our GDP of the private markets is growing. Yes, it's outpacing the public market. Yes. And so if I just think of it from a pure asset allocation perspective, I need to be paying attention to what's happening in the private markets if I want to achieve diversification for my clients. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. And I don't think it was a blip, and there's plenty of research on this. I don't think it was just a blip in the radar because we had a good couple of years in the market. We're not seeing IPOs speed up, and it's not just a nature of you know a raging market. So- when it comes to how am I going to increase that allocation, it becomes a big question for financial advisors. I think you and I would both agree that a lot of the tools that are out there to help solve individual point solutions, they don't improve that experience for the financial advisor. They don't make it easier for them to say, okay, person A on my team, I want you to be in charge of this. Now they need person A, B, C, and D to run all these different point solutions. And so um, if you could tell us a little bit about Mammoth and kind of how that experience now transcends from not just the formation of a fund or the introduction of a fund, but all the way through till, you know, from cradle to grave, because we got to run the whole lifespan of this investment. Yeah. Now we're committed. Now we're in. Now what? What do yeah. we do now? 
Yeah, I think what you're saying is really about operationalizing the entire process. It's one thing to solve for individual fires that are going off inside of your firm. And it's another thing entirely to say, we're going to operationalize alts inside of our firm and being deliberate about the full process, cradle to grave, like you were saying. We really believe that there should be a central location for you to do all of this, that your catalog of funds who are available to you, where your compliance team, your chief investment officer, your investment committee, whoever that may be, has blessed these opportunities for your firm, for you as an individual advisor, for you to be able to review them, to see commentary on those firms from the key people at your firm, for you to be able to put commentary on that information and send it over in a digital format to your client for them to be able to review it. Maybe you're pulling it up you know, in your annual uh, meeting with them, uh, regardless of the cadence or, or how you're having that conversation with them, something that they're able to come back and refer to and really understand and read through and be able to say yes to or no to a potential opportunity is super important. Um, giving firms the guardrails for advisors to be able to say, These, this is the only set you have that is approved, go and do that, but feel free to run as long and as hard as you want to down this path. We love giving those guardrails because creativity really happens best inside of a framework. So the firm providing a framework to the advisor, the advisor providing a framework to their client to say, this is what I think makes sense for you and your portfolio. Please review this and let me know if you're ready. Just go ahead and click that invest now button and you can fill out this paperwork. It's pre-populated with the data. If the client is already hooked in, is already a client and you have that data already, they're not having to continue to fill out the same information like they're at the doctor's office and it's the same form every single time you go in. You're like, what am I doing? Uh, this is all pre-populated. It's such a lovely experience. And then they can fully fund it right inside of the application or they can send a message to you, their advisor to say, you know, I want to fund this. And then you're moving those dollars um, as appropriate from your firm in. They've got a central location then to come back and see those documents. So there's an investor portal, an advisor portal, a firm level portal where everyone has the right uh, permissioning and is able to see just what matters to them. And the investor can come back in then and see updates that get pushed to their portal. So when there's a valuation update, a distribution, capital calls that are outstanding, you're able to see that information as well as the advisor get notifications pushed out to the appropriate people around points of action so that people understand what's outstanding. If they still haven't done a piece of their investor documents, they can send them a prompt to say, hey, this is not yet complete. Let us know if you need an assist. That way your firm is able to stay in the middle of that conversation with them. And the advisor then is able to continue to service all throughout the life of that investment. And that's really the portal and the, the technology that's there. We also provide service on that to make sure that the data that's coming through from those fund managers, whether that's from their fund administrator or directly from the GP, that's providing information to the advisory firm. We can take that data, check it against the statements and say, yes, this is ready to push into your portfolio accounting software 
or your custodian, wherever you need that information to go so that you're able to report properly, so that you're able to, to do your fee billing accurately and make sure that everyone's set up appropriately. So we uh, really believe in that full value stack that the fund manager and what they're doing and their story being told well and communicated to the advisory firms well, and then the advisors being able to carry that introduction forward so that they are talking to investors about what's happening and then staying in sync with each other all throughout the process is the key to operationalizing alts inside of your firm. And I love the the way that we, you know, in my mind, I visualize this whole path and I, the idea of operationalizing it is so attractive to me. And I know that a lot of the firms we talk to, they're starting to experience pain without that operational flow or without that being optimized for them um, in one spot. And I always like to remind people that um, you don't want to wait until the whole process is broken. If you're starting to feel a little bit of pain where you feel like there can be some improvement, it's a good time to start talking to you know, your different service providers and see how you can start to fix that today. And I, I think that that's something that I have a lot of pride in about Mammoth is that we'll meet you where you're at. And so if you're ready to have that conversation, whether it's about setting up a fund, digitizing subscription documents and owning that experience for your investors and the clients that you work with, or just managing your data and making sure that the data that's flowing through your portfolio accounting system is accurate so that you're not eroding trust with your client when they get your statement and the fund statement and they don't match. We'd love to have those conversations with you. Yeah, 100%. I have uh, my two oldest kids, both in the last 12 months had their a appendixes out. And the first one, we were not prepared. We did not know what was going on with her. And she was complaining that she had this pain right above her belly button. And I was just kind of like, suck it up, buttercup. And for four days, she complained about this pain. And when it reached excruciating levels where she could no longer stand up, I was like, oh, a little light bulb finally went off my head. Like, she has appendicitis. You've got to get her to the emergency room. And by the time I got her down there, it had ruptured. Uh, she spent four days in the hospital. Her surgery was twice as long as it normally is because it was a much bigger problem than when just a measly uh, nine months later, my son started saying, I'm having pain right above my belly button. And I was like, oh, I know this drill. I know exactly what's happening. And we were able to take him in in a day's time versus in four days time. And he was out within, um, he wasn't even in the hospital for 24 hours. It was a simple surgery. It was very quick. His recovery was much faster and less painful. And having the knowledge of, oh, I know what's going on here. I know there's a solution. We just need to be talking to the right people to take the right action so that we can solve this before it's a really big mess and a lot more painful for us was a, a key learning in my own life that hopefully advisors mm. who are, you know, right before that appendix rupture moment or who are, you know, in the middle of it will be like, I don't want to live through this again. Let's find a way to solve for this so that we can operationalize it, optimize it and get it into a process that not only serves our needs, but delivers for our whole team and for all of our clients as well. Yeah, no doubt. 
Well, very well said, Kim. Thank you so much for telling your story and sharing it here on Alternative Universe. I'm really excited to be part of this mission. And I know that, you know, our audience is also really excited to have, you know, innovation around alternatives for them. And um, it's a big pain. It's a pain for a lot of the clients that we talk to and that we work with. And we know that it's not getting any smaller. So I appreciate your leadership here and um, your willingness to solve these problems. So yeah. Thank you so much. Always happy to talk with you, Steve. I'll see you in Slack. All right. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Alternative Universe. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth Technology and produced by Turncast. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode right now. For more information about Mammoth Technology and Alternative Universe, visit us at mammothtechnology.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. The participants may have financial interests in the companies discussed on the podcast.